You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, it's Build Week, everybody. All right, Greg Hectus. Can't wait. Tony Groves. What up, fellas? And returning Will Gibson. I'm back. Well, it's season two build week again in iRacing. That means new content, new content updates, and new software updates, and we'll cover it all. We'll also cover what omissions we were hoping for, but didn't make the cut. We'll also explore the horrors of sim racing addiction. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iracerslounge.com and selecting show notes. So we hope to see you there. Are you struggling with maximizing your braking zones when you're on iRacing? Locking up when you're trying to push it to the limit? David was in your shoes not too long ago. He'd see his competition breaking deeper, but no matter what would try, he couldn't match them. Until he started using the Sim Coach's P1 Pro pedals. With their true hydraulic design, they feel just like you're driving a car. They're made right in the USA and even offer a lifetime warranty. For a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering you guys 10% off your order. You won't find a better discount anywhere. Head over to simcoaches.com and use the code iRacersLounge at checkout to get that discount. Now, we have a video later in the show from Lawrence at Sim Coaches um, telling how to adjust the pedals. Amazing 500 pounds of pressure you, you need to push that brake pedal. Uh, there's no doubt you need to wear shoes. Good thing David's a power lifter. He can get, he can get Perfect match. Pounds. He can get that 500 down right on the pedal. No problem. Well, let's get into hype. Lots of hype this week. Pre-build first. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they always, uh, iRacing or uh, or their staff always puts out these little teasers right before the uh, actual build comes. And they started early with Junior putting out a, uh, a picture of the new um, Buick LeSabre for the 87 Cup cars. So uh, he posted uh, posted on his uh, Twitter account. It's uh, it's in iRacing colors. It's looking car. Um, it's you know their typical red, white, and blue scheme. All the sponsorships and all is on there, and uh, it is a good looking car. So that was coming out this week, and uh, Dale Jr. spilled the beans on how that was going to look. He uh, you know he had mentioned it a while ago that they were. They were working on this car for this build. So it wasn't a surprise that this is going to be coming out in this build. It was just cool to see this uh, first picture. Now, I'm going to disagree a little bit, Brian. I mean, I raced this in week 13. They have a, every 30 minutes, it was uh, 87 cars at Talladega. So you get wrecked out of one, you just jump in the next one, you know. And uh, I saw this car on track a, a few times with some different paint jobs, uh, riding behind it. 
it's an ugly car. I, I just have to say it. I mean, the, the, the lines of the car, um, they're, they're just very boxy um, compared to the other ones. They don't have any characteristic to it. I mean, if you look at the front shot where it shows you the front of the car, for example, look at where the, the headlights would be in the grill. I mean, they literally just made a rectangle. You know, there's nothing to it. <laughs> Tell me Mike has nothing, no idea what happened to the Buicks in the 80s where they had pop-up lights. That would yeah. have been a pop-up light. Anyway, it definitely looks different than the other 287s, and I like that about this era of NASCAR. I mean, the Ford, the Chevy, and now this, I mean, they're t three completely different cars. It's not like you can't even tell them apart, like if you look at the trucks kind of thing, but uh, these, it's, there's no question they're different. I think the Pontiac would have been the one that would have differentiated from everything, right? Yeah, well, yep. you know, the Pontiac was in the... Um in the pole they wanted to bring out and i think the buick won, a, won over top of it right yeah i think they actually made it like a, a decision to go with the buick over the pontiac because it had a lot of similar lines to the um oldsmobile if i'm not mistaken so you could kind of manipulate the paint job on this to be an olds so i think they kind of felt like they were getting two cars out of this one where the pontiac was so unique um i wouldn't be surprised if we see the pontiac in the future though the Pontiac is the one I was hoping for because you're right. The, the Pontiac is so unique with the, I guess you call it a triangle front there that comes off the hood. I'm not going to buy it, but I like to see it. I like to race against it. I like to have a, I'd like to have a fourth car out there. Like, you know, like, like you said, let's get a fourth one. More cars, more fun. Well, I think you would have, did you not like drive one of these back in the eighties? Mike? Because it seems to me yep. like everybody drove one of these damn. Oh cars. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like they were ugly back then, and well, you know, they, they did a good job because they are still kind of ugly now. So right on. It's an '86 Buick, right? That's why it says '86 on the side. It could be same era, right? Now David said he was going to buy this because he used to drive one. So funny, you guys all saying that, and it was the. 86. 86 was the year before I was born, and the 87 cars were the year I was born. I drove in the, in the back seat of these lots, you know, getting uh, choked out by cigarette smoke. <laughs> now, I've, I've seen some good paints when I was in those races. Like, I, I remember the Green Skull Bandit. It looked really sharp. Yeah, Mike, you make a good point that, you know, it's really cool in this series that the three cars that are in it now much different than the other you know the uh, current cup cars you know if you just change the stickers around and and the grill you wouldn't be able to tell one car from the other right i mean from any angle it, it, this one's very clear and like i said wait till you see get on track with it you'll you'll see what I, I i mean it looks different when you're looking at pictures of it then i don't know what's different i, mean, I guess it was i was the back uh view is 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 kind of odd and that's one thing they don't show in these pictures junior posted you really only get the front shot, an angle of the front, and the side. You don't see that back of the car. That's probably a reason, right? <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the villain car in uh, car, the Cars movie, the way that this car is. I don't think it's that year of car, but it kind of reminds me of that green car in the, in car, the first Cars movie. Yeah, Chick Hicks. Yeah. Let's keep rolling the next car, Tony. Yeah, this one here... Um... It doesn't have that uniqueness to me, but I'm um, kind of snobby-ish to this. Or uh, 
and uh, snobby ignorant would be the best um this would be uh the new austin martin vantage gt4 um that they uh they put up they said the beat this beast looks mean but i hate the livery kind of looks like a ferrari actually you know what it more looks like it looks like a mazda it sounds good yeah that's a, that's a good point that's one of the things that i thought when i saw the video that we're going to talk about a little later is uh is the sound it's um it's really deep throaty sound it reminds me a little bit of the mercedes that uh everybody likes the sound of when you're racing around in those uh, multi-class cars well you definitely know when you're out on the track with a lot of these gt3s and gt4 classes the different engine tones um they all have a, a, a new uniqueness to them so which makes them people fall in love with them more too right well it threw the road guys a bone got the gt4 car so that was still remember this is all pre-hype build uh what else was pre-hype uh or pre-build hype uh greg in, we saw in the garage yeah so we heard that there was a formula car being made but we didn't know i don't know if did they ever really say beforehand if it was what series one it was but uh they kind of show it sitting in the garage at uh that's that new track that european track right that they only have the garage part in but uh yeah uh so this would be i guess we'll announce it later in it but it's the uh, formula four yeah i think there was a leak on that like they, they spotted it on somebody's computer monitor the name of it in a video or something yeah i think if you downloaded the last build right away it made its name on the list as an FIA F4 car. Um, and it got quickly pulled. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then uh, Will. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, uh, I went back from last week's show's notes uh, where we, we had the guy who um, categorized all the stuff he thought was going to be in this build, maybes and stuff like that. And uh, this is one of the things that he had in there as a maybe. So uh, it was definitely it was definitely some word about uh IR4. Um, so it was it was leaked to a point, but I don't think they really made a formal announcement. Okay. And then uh well the next one was a track. Yeah, this is the Winton Motor Raceway. I did not see this one coming at all. Um and being honest, I'm not super familiar with it. This is a track based out of Australia. Um it's kind of their short track of road courses, is kind of what I've read up on it in the description, but we got some high quality screenshots, some really good textures over the curbing. Um, but yeah, no, it was kind of a surprise we were getting this, but they uh, they definitely tweeted those high high res screenshots. You know what this track reminds me of? It's it's the Australian version of VIR. It's kind of like the it kind of like reminds me of a take your car to the track type of and do some testing with your own personal uh, daily driver kind of track. It's not overly complicated it's just a bunch of turns now we got the pre-release release notes and then we got the final release notes i don't think there's any differences between them but it was nice that they released the notes ahead of time so people got a handle of what what's coming so let's go through that now um i'm gonna cover stuff we haven't talked about yet basically but um the Hyundai Velocitor um, car, the stock par- car Pro Series Toyota Corolla Chevrolet Cruze. That's the Brazilian. Those were awesome. Yeah, and they're road cars, even though we call them NASCARs, but they're kind of like NASCAR, the way they, they do the sponsorship and stuff like that. 
Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55, dirt. Of course, uh, Tony mentioned Winton. Net code improvements. Boy, I could have used that today. Um, I saw that video. <laughs> I got wrecked by net code today in the Phoenix race. Bad. Going down a straight line. Uh, new and updated multiple tire compound rules. That's for those uh, F1 cars and such. New spotter calls for fuel usage, tire compound rules, and pit box calls. So guess what, guys? They added the countdown to pit road. I uh, heard it last night. heard it today. You know, 10 and then the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Um, timing is a little weird compared to the other one. I have both of them going. You know, I got my sim racing apps and now this new spotter uh, call. I can't believe it's taken them that long to put this in there. Yeah, it's about time that they did that too. Because uh, I always I seem to have a problem getting sim apps running right into the right uh, headset. So it could be like coming through my, my uh, VR. It could be coming through my monitor. I, I never seem to be able to figure it out. So now I can just get this right where I need it. And that's, that's all I ever use sim racing apps for. So finally. Tony, there's two ways for sim racing apps. You either have a plug-in that tells it where to go or you, it has to be whatever your Windows is default at. So that's usually where sim, sim racing apps come through is the default Windows. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I don't have to worry. Simpletons like me don't have to worry about that no more. iRacing hooked us up. All right. Uh, the GT3 class aerodynamic and tire updates. We'll go into this in detail later. We have a video. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series 2022 season updates, like updated sponsorship, you know, stickers and so forth. But not the trucks, which is so weird that we have not gotten the new updated trucks. New damage model is already enabled for the new Aston Martin Hyundai Veloster, Veloster the IR04 uh, Formula car, and the NASCAR Buick 1987. So if you look at that, Mike, they only fell behind on two cars on this build where they didn't do the Brazilian stock cars, and that's it. The rest of them they kept caught up with. And those are the cars that are in existing series that already have the damaged model. So they kind of had to with the Aston, the Hyundai, um, because they were going to go into the Mission IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. And if they went in without the damage model, it would have took away damage from those other cars. Yeah, so that makes sense why, they, but they didn't do it for create a new series with the Brazilian one to have it um, for it. But that's cool that they've they're getting more involved with getting them done in these builds. I, I like the fact, like you said, that uh, some of these cars are releasing damage model, AI, everything when they release the car. So. It'd be, it'd be neat if that's the new trend going forward, you know, where they just get it all complete from day one. Uh, the next one, AI racing for the Aston Martin, Hyundai Veloster, and the F1 car, Mercedes. Now, I tried the Mercedes. This is one of the first things I tried in the build. I jumped in the new UI. I pulled up an AI race at Monza with, like, 60 F1 cars. And... Uh, my steering wheel isn't really great for um, three times the for this. Be in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun though, and it worked. And I, I was surprised that you know it, it worked so well. I mean, it was fun just to watch the AI race. Actually, you know, I would wreck out, and then I would watch them. You know, I just think it's good that 
these bigger series like uh, the F1 car is getting the AI because that'll help. You know, it just helps learn a little bit more too when you're going around the track to practice so that. Yeah, I kind of decided now that there's AI, I'm going to, when I get my new wheel and everything, I'm going to make sure I'm up to speed in with AI before I jump in a real race and make sure I know how to handle the, the button pushing stuff. So that's really the intimidating part about that car is like, oh, I got to figure out, you know, when to hit DRS and I got to do all this other stuff. And uh, yeah. Does that mean there's going to be practice? If you AI races, it'll be different. It'll be <laughs> AI races. You can call you can call them what you want. It's still practicing. If you lead every lap, Mike, you don't need DRS. There you go. <laughs> now I had, I didn't have any buttons mapped or anything because I'm in my NASCAR wheel, and so I would get to the end of the straight, and the cars are passing me because I'm not pushing the right buttons. You're probably regening all the time. Anyway. Uh, I also saw a video from Nick Neven, who's been putting out videos on all the content. He, he's great. He did a, uh, a F1 AI race at Bristol Motor Speedway, and it was fun to watch, to say the least. So they also added AI at other uh, track configurations, Monza, Coda, uh, Circuit de Villeneuve, uh, Silverstone, Suzuka, all the F1 and Winton. Basically, it's all the F1 tracks. Uh, the iRacing UI, um, of course, there's the multiple tire compound stuff. Let's see what else. Improved store for purchasing. Virtual reality. So there were some changes here where members are prompted when launching the simulator to select what are you going to use. Are you using monitors, triple, or uh, VR? And Actually, Greg, you messed up your settings doing this. Yeah, I'm ex I got to change everything around anyways, so it's good. But uh, I got a bunch of work to do tomorrow now because of it. I'm going to run on a on a half setup system tonight when I get my league race. But uh, I'm interested to see how the integration between, because I run VR and triples, I wonder how well it's going to work uh, with both of them. So here's the experience. You After the update, you launch the UI it will ask you, you know, triples, uh, no, it'll say monitor, Oculus, or open VR. Then it will ask you, do you want to copy over your I and I, or do you want to run the graphic setup wizard, which it says recommended on that? And I picked copy the I and I, because what that does is it copies over your, your settings from before, so they, they, they stay the same. And so what I've heard is some other users have hit the other option and then go on Facebook complaining, oh, my graphics are all jacked up now uh, after the update. I don't know. Will, were you uh, have any problem with that little message or getting through it? Um, no, I read it in one of the discords I'm in to hit that middle option. It probably would have caught me out, but I save a copy of my app I and I and render DX11 files separate so if i ever do mess anything up i can just copy and paste my originals in there and i'm good to go so that's kind of how i protect myself on that one but no thankfully i was kind of given a heads up before i hit the recommended option which really the real recommendation is hit that middle button i don't understand no. why it would like i know that it's part of the thing but it should just should have revert it should be more of a a better option if it's uh, from an update that you're having to do it instead of a choice like 
you know, if you're going to graphics config and do it, that means, you know, you want to make that choice, but restarting it after it's done it, it's kind of, it kind of is a way to throw off people if they don't pay attention to it completely. I guess it's like reading the fine print, right? You screw up. If you, but why you is I racing fine print? But your, to your point, Greg, why is iRacing uh, even putting up that prompt? Why would anyone want to run the graphics config again and not pick this thing that they used yesterday, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm kind of looking through. I'm trying to look through this thing here, Mike. Did you ever find what the updates were to the... Um, uh, well, the I and I's, there's three of them. So there used to be one. Now there's three. They have one for monitor. They have one for Oculus. They have one for open VR. And so technically you could have all three of those setups at your cockpit and have separate I and I's for all of them. So that's the big change that they they've done here. So they took the original one and they, and that's what this, this prompt does takes the original one and copies it into the monitor I and I or whichever one you picked. Um, just reading through some of these updates here, Mike, the, the net code thing, uh, I wanted to see what the actual update was for the net code because of, of what your incident was today. And it said, these changes are aimed to improve uh, prediction behavior in a braking zone, prevent unintended nose to tail rear ending, uh, mitigate bumping draft or bump draft errors and improve the accuracy of vehicles vectors for door to door over racing. So that didn't seem to help you at Phoenix. Yeah, I was door to door. I mean, he came up on my door. I was running a straight line. It was at least 15 inches away or something, and it net coded. One thing that caught my eye in the patch notes is they mentioned they reduced the friction of the wheels on the cars to stop it from grabbing the wall and uh, enabling wall riding. Because um, I always feel like when I run and I get close to the wall, if I tap it a little bit, it sucks you in. So I'm hoping that's kind of gone away. Well, we got, Mike, do you remember when we did in North Worksboro with uh, the 87 car? They warned the guys not to wall ride be in qualifying because oh, they were yeah. faster. They sure did. Uh, other things, I mean, I'm just looking through. There's, a, there's tons of stuff as usual. We don't need to go over all of it, but the more spotter messages on fuel management. Now, I don't know if I've heard those yet. Um, and then there's new spotter messages about the tire rules as well. I think some of the guys are going to be after last week, what I did to them in the fuel race at, uh, for the get her done league, they're going to be wanting those uh, messages more. They re-enabled the true force by Logitech. If you remember, I think last quarter they took, they turned that off for some reason. There was some problem with it and the cars, uh, GT three, I guess we'll talk about that when we get to the video, but there were tons of changes to aerodynamics on GT three. There's a uh, there's another setting for your virtual mirror size as well in the app INI file to where you can uh, make it even smaller than uh, than uh, the smallest setting that was uh, there before. Driver animations to the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, I guess if you're in VR, you can see your feet moving. That was there before. Oh, was it? Um, I think there was issues yeah. when it auto blip the throttle that your leg would kind of spaz out. I think they resolved that. Okay, makes sense. So the next-gen cars have uh, visual updates as well. Uh, going down the list, see if there's anything else I want to, you know, that jumps out at me. But there's a lot of changes to existing stuff, you know, just updates and fixes. So um, 
Greg, to answer your question about 1986, there's actually a paragraph in here that references it. It says, uh, from 86 to 87, the LeSabre was Buick's entry with the two-car Stavola Brothers racing team of Bobby Allison and Bobby Hillen and King's Racing single-car effort bringing the marquee to the track. The car quickly became recognized as a force to be reckoned with on the speedways. Allison gave the LeSabre its first victory at Talladega in May of 86. Kind of neat they threw a history lesson in there about the car. They seem to do that with all these uh, updates for new cars. Yeah, and they, they feel like they put a, quite a bit of info in there because we didn't really get one of these hype videos for that car until today, which looks like it didn't make the script. All right, well, let's start going through some of the hype stuff. Uh, Brian, let's talk about the video on I-55. Okay, yeah, so uh, I-55 is a dirt track. Um, uh, it is uh, three-eighths of a mile long. Um, it's funny because I, I remember racing this track long ago when I was racing the um, the rat bag uh, dirt uh, sprint car video game. So, uh, so I remember racing that a while ago in, on, on that uh, platform. And so now it's here in iRacing. Um, a good video uh, as, as usual. Yeah, pretty cool. I don't know if I'm going to get this track. Uh, not yeah, doing but, a lot of dirt. Yeah, they're, uh, when these uh, dirt racing world championships come up, they're either going to have to extend the season or they're going to have to pick and choose tracks. So it wasn't like two seasons ago they were having to use more tracks, you know, the same track more than once to fill uh, a full season. Now they got more tracks than, than they have races in the season. So, um, you know, this I'm almost sure this will be in the next uh, season of either the late model or the sprint car series. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to start uh, either expanding the season longer to get more tracks into this championship, or they're going to have to uh, start weeding out some now. Okay. And then, Tony, we got a, a nice lesson on the Hyundai Veloster. I, I guess I'm saying that right. Veloster. Veloster. Yeah. And, I mean, he looked like he was talking a good game, um, but I didn't pre-watch this one. So I was able to kind of, you know, take a peek at it without the sound on. So it totally defeats the purpose of what uh, what the dude was telling me. And this guy's not Canadian, right, Greg? This is Tyler Maxson. He's the driver. That's, okay. You put me on the spot. <laughs> I didn't want to pull Tracy this one, but... Uh, Let me see his, I, just, I didn't see his name. Yeah, it's Tyler Maxson, and uh, he runs for Brian Herta Autosport, and he won the championship in this car. I think two years in a row. Yeah. This is a pretty known car now because of uh, their whole N-Series lineup in Hyundai. So I, it's kind of interesting that they've added this in. We saw it out of nowhere because they had the other Hyundai um, add, added in last build, right? Yeah, it was last build. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the Hyundai we already have is a newer car that was meant to replace the Velocitor. So I think the Velocitor was 2020, 2021, and then 2022 is supposed to be the Elantra, I believe. So I think a lot of people were expecting this car when iRacing first, excuse me, teased, they were bringing a Hyundai. So I'm really kind of surprised we got it, but it is cool because in this touring car racing, you will run an older chassis. It's not like a one year and done kind of car. 
Yeah, these are the kind of cars my son is into. Um, he's into the whole car scene, and he's in his mid-20s. And, yeah, he's he loved it. I sent him this video. He was all over it. Now, you know, I can only go on the visuals, and I like the way this car looks. Like, a lot better than that Austin Martin that we were talking about earlier. Oh, this one's just... It's 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 small, compact, but um, it's just it's kind of got a, like a sleek meanness, if that's even anything. But that that's what I see. I don't know. It just looks cool. I know nothing else about it. Well, here's a a little bit of an insider's. I was kind of just staying quiet, but I used to drive a Hyundai Veloster. I bought them brand new when they first came out. I bought a brand new one, and then and then when they brought the turbo version out, I traded my non-turboed one in for a turbo one. Uh, that was probably 2013, I think they came out in. Um, but yeah, these are pretty fun cars for a front-wheel drive car. And now these new end models of them are very powerful. And I'm kind of interested in this series, but I just don't know if I can add another series to race in for my busy schedule. They look fun to, to drive, for sure. Another car that looks pretty fun to drive is uh, the new Brazilian stock cars. We've got a a video from iRacing kind of promoting them with some help with Tony Kanaan. Um, what do you guys think about this video? These cars are not much different than the car we just talked about. I mean, I would, if, it, you know, a, a layman would, like me, would think they're in the same series probably. Not with the same. <laughs> they have a, they, a big horsepower difference. And the fact that I'm guessing both of these are rear-wheel drive too. Yes, and that's the thing that's kind of confusing about them. At when they first announced these, I assumed these were front-wheel drive cars, and I kind of assumed it would be like a touring car on steroids. But these are actually rear-wheel drive V8s, um, and I would love to know where to buy a Toyota Corolla that's a rear-wheel drive V8. Um, <laughs> Both cars don't exist that way. But you know, this is—I I think this is really cool for iRacing. It's definitely not for everybody. But I think it's really awesome that they're doing kind of a regional content the same way Australian has the V8 supercars. This is really awesome for South, South America. The funny thing is, too, is, I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of weird. Like, we're running a rear-wheel drive car that's an actual front-wheel drive car, but it's no different than in the Cup Series where Toyota Camrys aren't rear-wheel drive. They're front-wheel drive, but yet they have it. So Tony Kadon did the voiceover on the video, and I guess he helped with the development of the cars as well, obviously. You said he raced it, right, Mike? He races a series. Yeah, he races this currently. That's part of it. I'm sure that he's the one who you know tied everybody together for the scans, would be my guess, since he's, uh, as you call him, the ambassador to iRacing. I don't know if I'll, I'll buy this one either. I mean, like you said, my plate is full. It, now, seems they, like, it seems like uh, this car would fit really well in between a GT3 and a V8 supercar, kind of in the middle. Ladder car. Uh, they did a Twitch. Will, uh, um, Tony Kanaan, and um, Tuesday morning when the release was out, uh, being put out, um, I didn't wake up to look at it, but I was hoping, and we were talking throughout the week that because they said, "Hey, we're gonna have a big surprise on the Twitch Tuesday morning." So I was thinking, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna bring show these cars. They'll show them at Brazil, and then they'll have the rain come on." But guess what? No rain. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought that was a little underwhelming um, because it was pretty easy to guess that that 
that's what it might have been. I was hoping it would be something bigger because everything was already pretty much announced already. So it wasn't anything new. Um, it was just Tony Kanaan actually driving in the series. Right. It was just a, the wrong choice of words. I mean, he said, oh, we're going to have a surprise. But but then later they announced the, the cars anyway. So we knew they were coming. And yeah. Uh, the next video was the Aston Martin Vantage GT4, but you know, the pre-hype, we just had a screenshot. Uh, now we got a, a nice video and, and I think one of us, one of you guys said it sounded really beefy. Yeah. The no, sound it, of it. It sounds like a monster. It definitely does not sound like the other cars in the class. So I feel like you'll hear this one coming up behind you for sure. I was going to say, this seems very, very beasty compared to like the other classes cars with like they're all kind of like tame so um this is the first at asa martin car in the in the seat in the sim right i don't Second. think there's any yeah. asa martins is there another set another one Craig? yeah there was one that doesn't get used anymore in any of the it, classes i don't think i think it's gt1 um, is if it's not put in the legendary thing or whatever you call it archives but it's i don't think it's used in anything yeah, I think it still races with the old GT1 Corvette. I think it falls under the GT1 category. That's what it is. Yeah, I forgot about that car. This next video, Greg, really made me want to go road racing after listening to Christian. Now, Mike, I haven't really got a chance to go through this video. Do you do you remember what he was saying completely in it? Well, absolutely. So they did a GT3 overhaul, basically, on all the GT3 cars as a whole. Um, aerodynamically and um, mechanically, I guess you would say. But um, he described, you know, you're, you're going to have even better braking than you did before. Um, these things are going to break. They should be braking better than they used to now. Um, the arrow is, is tweaked. Everything is tweaked. It's not like there's major changes. These are all just tweaks. You know, I, I don't remember specifically beyond that, but um, but yeah, if you're interested, you should take a moment and watch this because after hearing it, I'm like, man, that sounds like it's real racy. Let's go try it. Well, yeah, I, so I have a, a GT3 uh, race tonight, and, and I'm running a Lamborghini, and uh, I did a quick couple test laps with it beforehand at Long Beach, and it definitely did feel different, but I don't know. I don't have enough seat time in the GT3s to know completely how much different it felt. Um, and I think Long Beach might not be one of the tracks that's a good characteristic for it because there's no, it's not a really huge high speed track. It's more like obviously being a street course. So I'd be interested to see how it would have operated at uh, Daytona and the high speed corners and things like that. Yeah, it sounded like a lot of the changes, they kind of said you would feel more changes at a high speed with the high downforce lower downforce and medium downforce you wouldn't notice as much um there was some changes to the tires so there is going to be performance fall off if you do like two stints oh, it'll yeah. still be drivable but you can't just do three four stints and not worry about it um they talked about the diffusers stalling out and stuff so it sounds like a really huge quality of life and just bringing the sim more in life more in line with real life. I feel like the GT cars always have a, you know, when you're in the uh, IMSA events or anything like that with these cars, or even in just their, their series, when you double stint tires, there is no penalty for it. Like there is no, the second stint 
is basically identical to the first stint. When you put fuel in it, it's a little bit tough to drive for the first couple laps. And then when it just stabilizes back out and it's just, I just feel you don't have any, any penalty to it. There should be tire fall off and you should be, you should know on that second stint that it's, it's low. So I'm kind of glad that they kind of doing this because then it makes you feel or makes you think like, okay, maybe I take tires and want on the, you know, if you got a longer race, you can go, you might, tires might make an advantage on if somebody doesn't to when somebody does. And the way I kind of understood it, I was at work, so I wasn't paying like a hundred percent attention, but it sounded more like it had to do with the heat cycles than it did with just overall wear. So if you're not abusing your tires, it'd be easier to do two stints rather than if you got them really hot, cool them down, slowing down on pit road. So it sounded like it wasn't just wear as much as it was heat cycles as well. Wonder how many people it catches off guard right at the you know the net first first time you try that and you're like abuse the tires late in the run trying to run a fast lap or something like that. I, I gotta say, the work that goes into these this type of change where you know nobody would have said anything if they didn't change anything on these the, this particular type of car probably, but they work on it. They got these professional people that are you know professional racers they got professional engineers and they figure out you know hey we need to adjust this this isn't right we need to do this when they're at high speed we need to have more tire fall off and then they make the change i mean that's what's so cool about iRacing is it's always evolving the next one is the formula iro4 video um basically shows a a lap around the track shows the some glamour shots of the car up front um, you know, it's a typical ladder open wheel car, right? It's also another halo car, which a lot of, you know, the smaller series don't have halos, right? They do now. <laughs> no, this is, a this is the car. Like I said, it's branded IRO four because there's not really a national or international championship with the same chassis. There's different chassis around the world. It's more of a regional series, so I think that's why it got branded IRO4. And it's really kind of what's replacing the Skip Barber car in real life. So this was definitely needed for iRacing to stay relevant at that lower level. But it does feel like we've gotten a ton of open-wheel cars lately. Um, and it's kind of a confusing ladder unless you really, really know what's going on. Well, this is kind of an odd change to the Skip Barber because that's a lot more powerful than a Skip Barber car. I like that there's a ladder system with the open wheel cars. And like I said, I, I intend to kind of try to get into these type of cars uh, this year. And if, if you know, I'm going to start right on the F1, but if it's not working well, I may backtrack. I may go down to something like this and just, uh, you know, sow my oats a little bit. I would not be surprised if this eventually takes the place of the Renault 2.0 you have the USF 2000 which is kind of the baseline of the ladder towards IndyCar or this car would be kind of like the baseline ladder towards F1 and um, that's kind of where it falls well are you surprised that they don't have they haven't scanned the Indy lights to try and run as a lower division for the IndyCar in my opinion they're only missing three open wheel cars at this point Indy Lights, which there's really no substitute for. F2, which is kind of substituted by the Renault, the Renault 3.5, and a classic late 90s, early 90s cart car. 
once they have those three i think they're done with open wheels other than new cars moving forward like the 2022 spec mercedes see when when i think of the cart car all i think of is sylvester stallone no paul (laughs) tracy Dario Franchitti, all those guys, man, it was a thousand horsepower with turbo. Yeah, I feel like I wish Dale Jr. just did the podcast with Al Unser Jr. Those guys paired up with the classic IndyCar from that 90s range. I think that would have as much hype, if not more hype, than the classic NASCAR cars. And that would be perfect for retro open wheel cars. And that only leaves Indy Lights and F2 at that point. Wouldn't that be the most powerful car, too? Well, I think it would. Hybrids. I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, it, it, we're talking lots of horsepower. Lots of horsepower. I mean, the LMP1 is up there in horsepower with the two motors. I think, like, power to weight to downforce and drag and everything, I would say it's probably be one of the higher performance vehicles. It may not be the quickest because it doesn't have the most downforce. I feel like it would be a driver's car. Okay, Tony. And then what were we hoping for that we didn't get? Well, Kyle Zimmer, as I'm sure many of us were kind of bummed out that no new Atlanta track was in this build. Um, Everybody was kind of figuring that was going to happen, especially since Atlanta's a couple weeks away. And nothing. Maybe, do you think maybe we could see it? In a couple of weeks, maybe they were, they wanted to release it, and you know, some bugs are happening or whatever. I don't know. Maybe yeah, we'll that's see. what I'm thinking. Is maybe we'll still get it. I mean, we can hold on, uh, but they do go like the Coke series does go to Atlanta twice, correct? Well, they go there next, and so that's why we were thinking we would get it. Yeah, I, I no, I I realize that, but um, I'm pretty sure they. They go. They'll be there again. So maybe for the next time, if we don't see it in the next, you know, next patch, maybe. I just find it odd that it's if it's something that I mean, obviously they got to. It was just a render when they kind of created it on iRacing, and now that you know they're going after building it in real life from what iRacing tested. But do they have to rescan it then and and figure it all out? I mean, maybe that's what's holding it up. They were down there in December, I think, scanning it. Yeah, so it's... And there had to be some kind of delay in, in them scanning it and getting out on time because um, it made everything lined up for them to have it for uh, this Kirk race. Uh, but I, I don't think they can do it anytime before the race start. I mean, the race is in like, five days, something like that. They're not going to uh, have those guys uh, run a new track without having any you know, significant amount of testing time. My, my only thought is, is this track was built assuming the cup cars would stay 550 package. And then we've gone away from that everywhere else, except here. I almost wonder if they're just going to hold off on it to get more real world, real world data to make sure what we get matches accurately, because all iRacing has to do is to tweak the 550 next gen car for us to kind of match the real world. And it's done. So I'm assuming it's just because they want that real world data. NASCAR Twitter today is talking about NASCAR is thinking about um, engaging the double yellow line rule for Atlanta this year, uh, make it a true restrictor plate race. Uh, and then they were, people were saying, let's rename it to Atlanta Dega. That's a good one. 
So um, I actually agree with some of the some of the um, replies in this thread. It's like, I don't know, I kind of like the old worn out uh, Atlanta, and I kind of do too. You know, the tires are a lot more of a factor, so there's a little bit more um, tire saving strategy that comes into these races. Um, I think a new surface like that, that's going to be a little higher bank. The tires aren't going to wear out quite as much. So, um, you know, although I do like the idea of being current with the current NASCAR schedule and the current track configurations. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't excited to get rid of uh, Atlanta in the first place. Oh, I, I totally agree with you, Brian. That track is so much fun because of the wear um, and, and the fact that you got to drive it. And I, I, I'm really interested, you know, when we get there in two weeks in NIS and if it is the old track, what it'll be like to drive this package on that track and what kind of tire wear we'll see with it. Atlanta Dega. I can't wait. I think I'll be good there. What about Atlanta Tona? All right. Next up, this was clever this week in a series of YouTube videos. Some of sim racing's top streamers like Dave cam, Matt Malone race beyond matter posted videos of horrors of iRacing addiction. Unfortunately, in this sometimes humorless world, some took the satire videos the wrong way, and content content creators like Ermin Ham Sandwich had to remove their posts because of some misdirected backlash. And I I first saw this with Dave Cam, our buddy Dave, uh, (laughs) a great video. He's kind of lamenting is the word. You know, I'm spending all my time in the garage and all my money is going to this equipment and and I don't have time for the wife and you know, the, in, in all this kind of stuff. And, and so Matt Malone, I mean, he took it to the next level by having his wife actually create a video and she is lamenting and, and she called her video, the wife of a sim racer. He's always missing, you know, and, and that, that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, Tony, I immediately thought of, of you and, and your uh, better half, and and I thought she might get a kick out of this. Oh, she, yeah, she totally got a kick out of it, but she, she's a complete enabler. I mean, she's right beside me doing it at the same time, so um, she definitely has a different spin, but she's still got a chuckle. Is this is this another uh, stupid thing from the weak crowd again that? You know the cancel cancel culture, the weak crowd, the people that can't uh, that need help putting their pants on. Well, the ham sandwich guy, yeah, he couldn't take it. He had to re- actually remove his video. He took it down because of the cancel culture crap. When I when I saw Dave Cam's video first, um, and that dude's a good actor, man. I thought something really happened at first. I was like, dang, did what happened? What's going on here? And once I realized it was a joke, I'm like, oh, okay, you got me. And I clicked off and saw other posts about it. And I'm not surprised there was drama because of some people having fun. <laughs> I think the thing with Dave Cam is he's always so even keel in his videos. He doesn't get high or low. So when he does something like this, it's like it doesn't change his, his, or his tone. You kind of got to buy it, right? And then so other YouTubers got involved in the game as well. And um, this guy, um, which we've gotten some videos from before called Race Beyond Matter, he did one. 
Yeah, that was a good one too because he references a lot of the other streamers in it, and uh, he 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 said, you know, next thing you'll know, you'll be getting triple sixty-five inch screens like Will Ford at Boost and Media. You'll be wearing your helmets in a simulation race. It's like <laughs> it was really funny. You'll get be wearing a fire suit and gloves, and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, you'll be. Uh... <laughs> He's a little tougher to understand because of his accent, but but if you if you really listen to what he's saying, it's it's really funny. He does a good job too. Now we talked but about I, this I, I, in the right. Discord chat this week as well, and when we did, uh, Oz uh, in the chat told us, or he sent us a, a quote of er, what Erman Ham Sandwich said about this. He said, "Hi everyone, tonight I uploaded a hundred percent satirical." satirical video in the same spirit as the one in which I was called out to answer because a number of people took it seriously and started abusing good creators in the sim racing scene. I've taken it down. Be good to one another. We don't need any more division in this world. Oh, you're not right. How about, uh, we talk about another topic that wants to divide people <laughs> in their opinions on the road to pro, uh, Brian Blackford lamenting as well. Yeah, so Brian Blackford tweeted uh, and directly copied Steve Myers um, that he thinks the trucks is not a challenging enough series to be the road to pro qualifying vehicle, and it doesn't show off the talent in the division. He's willing to die on that hill. It's a pretty strong statement. <laughs> He's trying to start a conversation is what, you know, let, let's talk about it. Is this the right thing that we should be doing? I just why don't understand it? why you qualify in the road to pro truck like the trucks. Then you move to the, like, I get why they were doing the trucks Xfinity cup, but I think it should just be Xfinity cup trucks is trucks has always been around as a C series. It's not like, you know, it's a C or lower series. It's, it's a feeder. I don't know if it should be considered the, um, the one to qualify for. I don't mind it being one to qualify for road to pro. My biggest criticism is the, the road to pro or the Xfinity series of the ladder is too short. And I don't think it really gives you time to show. I think the trucks is a good way to see if you could handle the schedule and the commitment. Cause that's the first thing is you gotta be able to make the time to put in the work. And I think the truck does a good job of filtering people out at that level. And then the Xfinity car should be about, do you have the talent? Um, and it does obviously take talent in the truck as well. It's just a different kind of talent. Um, I, I understand what he's saying, but I think the biggest issue is that middle series. Um, and I don't know how you fix it because you can't run it alongside Coke with people dropping out. So I'm not sure how you properly fix it. I just think the issue is more in the middle of the, the, the chain than it is the beginning of it. A lot of the people said what Greg said, which is run the Xfinity in, in, instead. Um, in a related tweet, Boyd Hogan said, you know, Road to Pro should be one of the current cars um, and thinks the top three series cars need more off-throttle time to make better racing. Well, and he, he even copied had, in Dale Jr. on all it. All three of these series had off-throttle time and then NASCAR decided to start fiddling with these cars. And now they've realized that they screwed them up and they started going back. I mean, the Xfinity car is probably one of the more exciting cars to drive on the sim. The trucks was always a hit or miss depending on the track. 
and the cup cars, you know, no offense last season and I'll, I'll die on this hill, but they sucked last year compared to what they are this year. Um, but better racing is when you have to start race somebody by on and off the throttle, trying to draft somebody and, and, you know, get on the throttle real fast after just being out of it for like a second isn't, you know, isn't real racing to me. That's all basically setup making. It's not, there is no racing element involved. Yeah, you're, you're right, Greg. Um, Talladega and Daytona are enough um, draft tracks for the series. They don't have to have every mile and a half track be a drafting track and every mile and a half and higher. Uh, so you're definitely right. And uh, we're finding that real quick with uh, with this next chamber that, yeah, these you're not able to, you know, hammer down the throttle anymore. And it makes it's making for better racing. Um, you know, there's a learning curve I think that's involved because so many people have been so used to these uh, these cars that are so glued to the track you can't mess them up. But um, I think in the long run it's going to be better in general, and uh, because of that. Well, you hear heard it first. Boyd Hogan wants all road courses if he wants on and off throttle time. He wants all road courses, and I'm going to die on that hill saying <laughs> that we should have all road courses in the NIS series. I just want to. Now he didn't get any replies from Steve Myers or iRacing on any of these threads that I saw, so it's no question. I'm sure they saw it, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's iRacing's decision about what cars used in Road to Pro for the E NASCAR series. I think it's NASCAR's decision. And that's probably why they haven't responded. Is it sponsored by anything? Because if it's not sponsored by anything, it would be all dictated by iRacing. The only one that would dictate it is the Coke series and with NASCAR. I, it's they not a real under, sanctioned event for if that. If they all fall under the uh, e-NASCAR umbrella, if they're all, on, all under the e-NASCAR yeah. umbrella, then it's all NASCAR then, right? I still don't think NASCAR has a say in those ones. They only care about the one that's televised. I think NASCAR has a say in everything. Yeah. They're in bed with NASCAR. I'm surprised they haven't reached out okay. to Mike because it, he's on. had opinions that the differ. Then why is the truck old? <laughs> why are we road running a road to pro with a truck from last year? If... Good point. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Brian, we have a quick hit. Yeah, this is a really quick hit. Um, uh, the uh, Into the Apex is another uh, podcast that talks iRacing, and uh, they had a special guest, Aaron David Hall. It'd be nice if he was here to talk a little bit about it. Um, but um, I did listen to it. He did a, he did a fantastic job rep- representing iRacing and uh, representing himself, really. Um, they, uh, they, they opened the program just talking about um, how that, you know, these podcasts are not competitive with each other, that, you know, we're all trying to lift all the, you know, raise all boats by, uh, you know, by collaborating together and working together and, and things like that. And he went through oval, a lot of oval stuff. Those guys apparently are more uh, road oriented than, uh, than, uh, than we are at, on our show. But David was a good guest to have to bring that, uh, that uh, second uh, type of racing to the, to the program. He talked about um, his, his, uh, his uh, pedals, you know, the SimCoach P- P1 Pro pedals that he has and you know, how, how, how much they've uh, improved his racing. So uh, he, he was on there and uh, did a great job. 
Yeah, I, I listened. Um, I didn't, I've really heard this podcast before. And so now I may just put that into my list. And yeah, him being on there might expose uh, some of their listeners to uh, our show and, and vice versa if uh, we ha- we are able to get one of the guys on here. Famous you, uh, streamer David Hall. Yeah, so we're going to have one of those guys on the show. Uh, we'll do a, a record with them and, and get them on. So cool. All right, Will, uh, we have a new Skip Barber Formula iRacing series. Yeah, they're advertising it as returning, and I feel like they've done something in the past, but this seems like on a whole nother level here. This is a series using the new IR04 we talked about um, in partnership with Skip Barber. It's a hot lap challenge, top 20 qualify for a race. So it looks like Monday through Wednesday for the next six weeks, you can qualify in. And then uh, you race on Sunday. Um, and then obviously Monday restarts for the next week. It goes to Lime Rock, VIR, Watkins Glen, Laguna Seca, Road America, then Sebring. Um, there's a lot of prizes involved. Um, I think it, top prize includes driving a Skip Barber car. Um, I haven't really kind of done the through all the prizes yet. Yeah, but there's um, some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, five-day competition school. Um in the skip barber uh coat you know in the real thing so that's if you win the championship that's pretty cool yeah and there's a lot of other prizes credits and stuff involved all together as you're looking at it's saying over half a million in prizes at stake you know i saw the half a million number and i looked down at kind of everything broken out i don't see where the half a million number comes from but yeah i kind of question that as well um i mean Unless it's really expensive to do a five-day test. Right. I, maybe they're, that's how much the whole racetrack costs. I don't know. Zip. <laughs> but it's at VIR. Uh, and another note, it is a $20 entry fee. I'm not sure ooh. how that's going to work. Um, but there is a $20 entry fee. So you have to click on the link and, and basically pay the entry fee. This is interesting. Have you have we had an iRacing series like this where there's an entry fee? Not that I can remember. I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, it'd be no different than kind of a league that has a pay to enter. Um, but nothing publicly like this that I've ever seen. Not a sanctioned iRacing race, right? This would be sanctioned, as you would call it. And it's twenty dollars per week. So if you're going to compete in all six weeks, that's uh, talking one hundred and twenty bucks. I say this all the time when they have stuff like this. How many people are actually going to compete? And it, if you think about that, the odds of actually doing well and winning something are pretty high. If you want to pay that money and and participate every week, I mean, how many are going to do that? It, it can't be more than a. I would guess a hundred or something. So, now, um, what, I'm sorry, one thing I read here looking at these prizes, it mentions full season in 2020 Skip Barber Formula Race Series, ooh, second half season, and third is one race. Now, yeah, but, all top three get the five-day competition license, so I think that's, what, I think that's the one I was kind of overlooking because it said 2020 for some reason I zoned it out. That must be a typo or just a car they're referring to. Yeah, well, that that's exactly what I was going to hop in on. Yeah, this is um for for the winner of this uh, series, uh, they they will get what they 
what they say the ultimate prize in motorsports. It's a fully funded seat in a real world skipper formula race series. So you're winning a, you know, a seat in a car. So that's like, that's worth the $20 admission. If you're uh if, if you like racing these cars and, and you can, you can get to these tracks, you know, if you're, you're European or something like that, it might be a little tricky, but yeah, if you're an American and, and, and live near these tracks, you have an ch- opportunity to win an actual seat in an actual Skip Barber race series. And the first place gets, and that's for the whole season, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. That's that's a hell of a prize for. Yeah, you gotta pay twenty bucks every 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 race, but Jesus, <laughs> that's all right. That's where you that's where you come up with that half a million dollar prize pool right there. Yep, that, that'll that'll add up real quick. Uh, to, tire to that. tire bill, fuel bill. Imagine fuel. <laughs> what happens if you wreck it? Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming they take care of it, right? I I would think the odds are even less of how many people will be in it at the end because not only you have to pay and participate, but you have to be able to go to those tracks and you have to have the money to, to do that on the weekends and those kind of things, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of insurance you get on the car for it, but it's an amazing deal. If you got the talent I don't, I mean, go for it. I mean, this is kind of, you get in, you get it, you do good. Somebody catches your eye. This is a true path from iRacing to real world racing and beyond. Exactly. I mean, this is this is everything that simulation racing probably ever really aimed towards is to be a developmental uh, type of system for drivers to get real world seats. I mean, I mean that's you can't can't get more of a compliment to simulation racing to, for them to offer you a, a program like this. Pretty cool. Hmm. Should I enter? Yeah, you should. Yeah. What's a what's a hundred bucks? I mean, spend a hundred bucks, do it. Sponsor you one race. I was going to say America. I'll, I'll pay for a race. Brian will pay for a race. So there. Does that make it easier for you to decide? Do you for one week? <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> he's, he's getting nervous now. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Tony, we got the mirror for the next gen. Yeah, uh, Jed something or other asked in the iRacing forums, why doesn't the new cup car have the rear view mirror and the rear camera on the dash? And Brian Simpson uh, basically said, uh, I'll paraphrase it, but um, not enough bang for your buck. Uh, Performance-wise in your computer, they said, Adding that uh, that that dash camera is just be a huge uh, task on on the on the computers, and we kind of already have it anyways. So didn't really see a didn't really see a point in bringing that in. Yeah, and another point he made was that uh, the real life drivers, um, they a lot of some of those guys don't trust that camera on the rear of their car to give them the proper information that they want. You know, they just don't have the, the confidence in that camera rear view mirror. But he said in iRacing, you know, that that camera is pretty much dead on because there's no worries about any kind of, uh, you know, it's all done simulated. So it's it's really well done and there's no, no difference between that and real life. So in a way it's, it's it's redundant to have both of those mirrors available when uh, when they know that the rear camera view will always work proper. 
I have a feeling in that car, that rear view camera will be more used road racing wise than anywhere else. It's, you know, I mean, they trust their rear view mirror that they've been using their whole career as a NASCAR driver. Trying to switch to something else is like trying to get bike to, uh, <laughs> to not, not get mad about when they put uh, product or get rid of product on iRacing. So I have no problem with them deciding, okay, we can only do one of one of these, but maybe let us decide which one, like, can we have something where we, we have a check mark to either have it as the, the mirror up above, or I want the dash. I want a, you know, a video monitor on the dash instead. Now I would rather have the video on the dash because in my triples, I can't even see the mirror up above. I could just see the very bottom of it. I mean, and so I thought, oh man, this is going to be cool. We get that little monitor on the dash. I'll be able to see better because I, like I said, I can't really see the real mirror. So I was disappointed to see this, but it would be cool if they could just, uh, you know, finagle it. You know, like we have the different dashes where you can pick. Why not maybe we decide as a driver, hey, I want to run, you know, either the, the, the mirror above or I want to do the thing on the dash. I think the biggest issue with that, Mike, is they still haven't found a way to put the right mirrors on when you pick the number for how many mirrors you want. So from one to four, it basically gives you the option. So if you're running a cup car, you get the side mirror and the rear view mirror if you pick two. If you pick three, when you get a road car, you get all the mirrors in a rear view mirror. But if you pick, if you have, I'm trying to figure out what it is. If you have, uh, there's one car that it just screws up because of the way you don't pick the mirrors that you get. It's just in a sequence and it throws it off if you don't have it right. Like you, you should be able to, you know, I want my right and left mirrors for the road racing. But, you know, if I have four mirrors, uh, if I only want to race in ovals, I want just one mirror. You got to switch it every time. It's kind of like, the number thing where you you can't have all of them on the way you want. Okay, we got new sponsorship. iRacing is sponsoring a new car. Yeah, so Carson, is it? Quapple. Quapple? Quapple? Is that you don't remember Quapple. Travis Quapple? Quapple, yeah. Okay, um, so JRM announced uh, on its Instagram, Junior Motorsports, uh, that the, they got the sponsor for your late model car. Uh, they're going to have the iRacing colors on their 2022 late model. Carson Quapple is the son of Travis Quapple, a NASCAR star from he's the past. The one, he's the one that's replacing Barry, right? Because Barry is full-time. Yes, and his father was the 2000, 2003 Truck Series champion. You know, Travis Quapple bought me breakfast once. I told you guys that. Who hasn't bought you breakfast? Didn't Landon Landon Castle Castle bought me breakfast. They were teammates, and they both bought me breakfast, actually. (laughs) I think this is a pretty cool partnership. And I know Dale Jr. was in the forums not too long ago asking whether they should do a pro late model or update the existing one. Um and this is Carson. He's only really raced at Millbridge in like speedway sprints or micro sprints, whatever you want to call them. So um, this could be a cool partnership. He could get some seat time on iRacing and see how it relates to real life. And it'd be cool to see what they do outside of the car with this partnership. Yep. So hopefully some wins. 
Brian, uh, who else is winning the Porsche Super Cup round three? Yeah, so this uh, race was this past Saturday. It was round three of the Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup. Uh, this was at Interlagos and Brazil. So, um, but the... Uh-oh. Finished second, and Diego Pinto finished third. Uh, congratulations to Zach. It was his first win. I think it was his first win ever. Um, I know that uh, Sebastian Job won the sprint race and started the uh, main race in eighth after the invert. Was only able to make up one position to to uh, seventh. So, uh, so congratulations, to Zach Campbell. Um, and as of now, Diego Pinto is the points leader in that series with Jeremy Bootloop at second place and Ayanna Kandaguvin in third. Zach Campbell is actually in fourth after that. Kevin Ellis Jr. is in sixth. So uh, we're headed up to week four next in two weeks. Nice. All right, Tony, how about some sim racing jerseys? Yeah, um, this one was kind of fun because at first I thought like, oh, this sucks. Um, and then I opened it up and started looking at it. I'm like, this is pretty damn cool. So what I'm looking at here, it's from ninjersey.com and it is uh, basically a racing jersey with a hoodie. Um, I didn't see if they, uh, like, you know, the range of what they offered. Um, basically, the picture that, uh, that we're looking at um, that we can... Uh, go to the iRacers Lounge website and you'll see what I'm staring at. Um, very colorful jersey. Fully 100% customizable. So you can customize like the colors, everything that, that that's put on it. And that's from the front, the back, the sleeves, the the hood, um, the, the wristbands um, are customizable. Every part of this jersey is completely customizable. Um, so I, I was kind of checking that out and I was like, that kind of, I was like, man, that that's really freaking cool. Yeah. So, like, if you had a team, an eSport team, and you had colors and logos and and schemes and stuff, you could make a really cool jersey with this company. Yeah. I mean, like, so, you know, like, on the front, we could have iRacious Lounge Podcast. We could have, um, like, your name up in the top chest. On the other side, you could have, like, Sim Coaches. On the back, you could have the Aftermath podcast, you know, and on the hood, you could have, you know, your name, like you have Groves, like right on the hood and all in, you know, uh, lounge colors, like the, the whole nine yards. I mean, put it to your own deal, but um, yeah, the the level of customizing that you can do on this thing uh, really blew me away. It'd be cool if one of our listeners who's into design designed us up one that looked like you just mentioned and i would buy it <laughs> i would buy it in a heartbeat well just for you know just for shits and giggles i i checked this out and like canadian it's 85 bucks and that's not too bad now i see it's like in euros so it's got to be from across the pond but you know you get, get a little bit on the shipping but it's still like even in canadian dollars it's that's not a terrible price for something that you can basically build yourself and you don't really have to settle for, oh, well, they only have it in like pink and purple. So now I got to have this, you know, it's do it as you do what you want with it. It's cool. Yeah. I've explored the website quite a bit. Uh, they have all kinds of different ideas, you know, pictures of different jerseys and, and different things that you can do. Uh, this one, they, they call it the Imola GT hoodie. 
And, you know, it, it definitely says sim racer across it and e-sport and those kind of terms uh, to make it look like, uh, you know, hey, you could, you know, brand this. Pretty cool. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Let's jump to podcast housekeeping. Uh, We had a new Aftermath podcast finally. Uh, Tell us all about it. Yeah. How about that, eh? After like uh, what seemed like forever, we were able to, um, you know, pull it together. It's not a very long one, just a quick little, quick little deal. But uh, you know, Tony uh, was was saving up some some sound effects, and you know, he, he had to really talk about his uh, his Daytona win. So we were able to uh, give him a few minutes to be able to do that. But it was nice to kind of get back behind the mic and and throw out an episode. All right, check it, and don't forget to check the iRacersLounge.com. For show notes, we're on Discord. Make sure to find us um, there. There's some great discussion ongoing uh, throughout the week, and I am previewing um, stories on for the that are going to be on the show uh, in the Discord. So if you want to preview, get over there. We're also on Performance Motorsports Network Podcast Fantasy League in a casual setting. So check this out. We have a Tony leading the overall league standings after uh, this past week at Las Vegas. Unfortunately, that Tony is not me. I am buried deep somewhere down below. But uh, Tony Rochette took the top spot um, after the third race. And uh, not really much surprise, but we got old Res Dog, our past champion, um, hot on the heels. Oh. Uh, they're out to a nice early, early start and early lead. And uh, personally, guys, I am still just trying to uh, figure this out. I, I think I had like three of my guys die on me. And um, Greg, you're shaking your head. I know you had just as good of a week as I did. I'm Brian. I'm TJ Majors right now. Anybody I pick, I jinx. Yeah, yeah. Brian's shaking his head and laughing too. So I know he had a great week. Yeah, that was awful. I think I was 32nd or something like that. It was terrible. I, I've, we're, we're coming to see with these new cars and how, how loose they get. You know, good drivers are knocking themselves out. People who you would normally pick as being a fast driver, these guys are getting knocked out um, on a regular basis now. So it makes it a little tougher. You don't, don't always see the same five names at the top. Yeah. And- wow. That's, that's kept things like super interesting. And, you know, obviously some guys are going to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, to, to hit the right guys and others like, you know, the majority of us are just going to, 
you know, we're, we're, we're just going to be burning our guys up for the first little while until things settle down. Now we've got Phoenix coming up next week and this is like normally happy Harvick's uh, playground, but it really hasn't been doing a whole lot as of late. So you guys got any thoughts on him? Like, you think he'll, uh, you know, kind of pull his socks up and figure it out? No. Oh, that's Joey's track now. Joey, Chase. I mean, Larson was competitive last year. Chase won there recently. I think Trucks Jr. would be a good pick. Hamlin. Well, you say like, yeah, Truex, but Hamlin and both and Bush, they, they're they're having a hard time. A lot of like the Toyotas seem to be having a tough time right now, and they'll figure it out. But um, are they going to be able to do it this soon? Toyotas were going to be one two. They got Last speed, weekend. just inconsistent, inconsistent execution. I feel like Truex is the kind of guy who will either do amazing or bad. And I just feel like this would be one of the tracks that he'd just turn it on at. I was going to say, there's also, you know, there's only six Toyotas in the field. So it's really hard to, you know, they're, they're, over, they're spread over one, basically one organization for all six cars, right? Yeah, but when those Toyotas hit, man, they dominate. You know, I'm sure there'll be a point in the season. They'll, they'll do it. Oh, you know it. You know it. And you just hope you have enough... Uh have enough picks left to, to be able to capitalize on that. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like the easy pick this week is going to be, is going to be Larson. You know, he's going to be up in the mix, but um, you know, do you burn through all your Larson's all right at the beginning of the season or um, a tough call? I'm, I don't know. I'm still super stoked. This is uh this is, this is a fun year watching these guys have their hands full with these cars fighting everything blowing up tires um you know just totally screwing up my lineup as much as like i'm like swearing at it i'm loving it so when i look at the points for vegas specifically at the bottom of the list there i am with steve lou allen and smiling ninja almost dead last yeah yeah um it hasn't been too kind with her either um all her all her drivers just get uh Get the cars blown up. Make those picks. Okay, hardware, software. First story is a video put out today by Sim Coaches. It's Lawrence from Las Vegas, and he goes through a detailed video of how to adjust the Sim Pedals P1 Pro. Now, I don't know that they had this before where you could go and, and kind of figure all this out, but he literally goes through every hole on this thing, what's adjustable, how to adjust it, why you would adjust it. And I was blown away by some of the facts that he was throwing out, like 500 pounds of foot pressure on that brake pedal. And uh, lots of adjustments where you can make it real stiff to match like a GT3 car, or you can loosen it up so it's more like a stock car. And so, um, he was real keen to point out, you know, you can really, you know, articulate these pedals to, to match pretty much any race car that's out there. Anyway, happy to be involved with Sim Coaches. They have a great product. Yeah, it's just, just more ways that Sim Coach is just a great company to deal with. Um, not just the awesome products, but all the support that they offer you. All right. And company review on a wheel. Yeah, this is a company called itr italian team racing 
Um, they have a, a bunch of uh, formula style wheels. They have some other products too, like uh, uh, dashboards and electronic components. Um, they have uh, their, their formula wheels. They have uh, like Ferrari replicas. Uh, they have a Williams uh, replica. So um, they're decent, decent looking wheels. Um, they're running anywhere between, you know, the higher end wheels are, are between 850 and 900 euros. So, uh, you know, not on the cheap side, but some of them have the full uh, full digital screens on them, uh, like the Mercedes replica. Uh, the Ferrari replica has it as well. Uh, there's some that are a little bit less expensive too that don't have as much bells and whistles, but are still looking pretty nice, like their uh, their Butterfly IR F1 FW F1, which is a uh, Butterfly uh, steering wheel with just uh, all buttons on it. Really, really good options here. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the Ferrari replica wheel at a thousand euros, I mean, it looks really nice. I mean, high quality. It's got a display. I mean, uh, normally the displayed Formula wheels are a bit more money than that. Uh, they all—they almost look to me like um, historical wheels or wheels from the past. I don't know if these have a modern look to them. Do they? Like the Williams one is definitely a, a wheel from the past. But if you're into the, you know, replica style wheels, boy, this is the place for you. And I can't believe I haven't heard of this company before, but apparently they've been doing wheels for some time. They have um they have another one called the PX Ferrari replica, which is um which is a formula wheel and it's got where the L C D screen would be if you get one with it built in. It actually has a holder for a cell phone if you're using like a a program like SimHub that you know can um that can put telemetry up on your cell phone. So it's actually got a clip on the wheel for a cell phone for telemetry. And, you know, it goes from being a, you know, 850, 900 euro wheel to $249 or euros. So, you know, if, if that's a, that's an option for people who don't want to spend all that extra money to have a phone that they use for telemetry right now. All right. Pretty cool. Uh, this next one is pretty cool. It's Barry Roland back with a video on the MME Motorsport Sequential Shifter Review. And uh, it's a nice blue steel uh, with a really hefty handle on it. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a sequential shifter with such a big, thick handle. Uh, it looks like it's really hard to mount because um, it, it's so narrow and, and, and such a small footprint. But the force that Barry has to pull when he pulls it, you know, it, it's all, it's adjustable, of course. He can make it softer or harder, but um, it's a really nice sequential shifter. Um, this company uh, actually does real motorsports products, and then they're venturing into sim products. He did, uh, the man. Bulletproof is what he called it, yeah. This is uh, the same company he did a H-Pattern Shifter review on not too long ago, correct? That kind of would turn from an H pattern to a sequential. No, I think at the handbrake actually. So the, there's a, he had both of them installed, a handbrake and a sequential. So uh, this unit runs uh, three ninety nine euros plus VAT. So um, you know it's a little on the high end for a sequential, but you know from everything Barry said about it, it's 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 a really solid piece of equipment. I like that it's got the small profile 
if you're using it alongside of another uh, piece of equipment, if you've already got like your H pattern or something like that, and you need a separate handle for your sequential, it doesn't look like it would be hard to get a little bit of extra space for this on your rig. Yeah. What do you think about the handle itself and the big black knob? I mean, it's so, it's really, it's almost oversized, I want to say. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it would be that much bigger than the one like Fanatec gives you for when you use sequential. I'm happy to have with my sequential. Um, I have, you know, especially with the next gen car. Okay, Tony, what's the next one is which Fanatec formula wheel is best for you? Well, that's a darn good question, Mike. I don't know if any of these ones here would be very good for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which one is good for you? Because you're getting one. But not, it's not, not any of these. One. Yeah, this, Mike this never one. listened. So David far, wanted me to buy one of these. Okay. I was going to say, so far this video's kind of fallen flat here right now. Um but uh, I, honestly, I didn't even get a chance to look at this one here. So I imagine, like, I see five in the in the screenshot here. So they're they're just comparing uh, the differences, uh, the pros and cons to to each one of these wheels. Basically, yeah. Okay. He goes over them in detail. You know, which one's better, which one's worse, which one's newer, which one's older, what one wears more, and the grips, which ones don't. I mean, every little detail. I mean, Will Ford is really good at this stuff. Yeah, if if you're looking to get a formula wheel and you don't want to, you know, you don't have tons tons to spend on it. You know, Fanatec does have a good selection that um, that are you know somewhat reasonably priced. They're not the thousand fifteen hundred dollar units like um, like Mike's getting, but they're still really good, really good wheels. Um, and he just goes over all the differences in them, which one he kind of likes. I mean, the value there is that these come with the hub, you know, and, and when I buy this, you know, thousand dollar wheel, I have to buy a hub with it. And the hub alone is 180 bucks. You can get these Fanatec wheels, for, you know, like three to four hundred dollars. What's what's the hub? What does that do? Is that like what attaches it to the wheelbase? Yep. So a quick release. Well, it's a quick release hub. Yeah. Fanatec has different hubs in general, though. They're not, they're not just they they have hubs that actually have button boxes attached to it and then the rim then you can bolt a rim to the hub or they have these formula ones that you can buy um different there's a podium hub and then there's a quick release hub that goes on it as well isn't there mike no the podium hub is a quick release okay, but it's nothing else no buttons nothing it's just the the hub yeah because the direct drives need that podium one uh because of what they they need it's a different locker because it wouldn't be as a better, a good a connection if it didn't have it. You, you got to remember, Fanatec has proprietary circuitry where you can't just put any wheel on their base. Okay, they 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 make it where you have to use a Fanatec wheel. So when you buy a third party wheel like I do, you have to buy a podium hub to go with it because it has the circuitry that allows the force feedback to work. So Fanatec gets their their money no matter what, and they're they're totally you know 180 bucks for that thing. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds a bit steep. They get you either way, right? They get you either way. So if you don't buy their wheel, then uh, guess what? You're going to buy one of our hubs. And having it overpriced helps them even more. Now talk about the opposite of overpriced, Brian. 
this wheel is um it kind of blew me away the way it's designed yeah this is from a company called acelith it's spelled a-c-e-l-i-t-h and uh man they make rims for just about all the major brands logitech um they make them for thrustmaster and for fanatec so the thing that's kind of weird they call these um mods more than wheels which is which is kind of weird because it, it does use some of the existing stuff you would have from from a wheel and you add this to it to make a formula wheel for example if you have the logitech g uh, g series wheel you can take it apart you do use the same buttons and uh you just put this in place of the wheel itself and by doing that um, you cut down on a lot of the cost because there's no circuitry or anything involved in this you're using the existing button buttons and, and things like that so for example uh, a uh, ace one rim for a fanatec universal hub is 79 euros so you know really pretty um, pretty easily affordable for most people but you know you are going to have to have uh, the podium hub like we talked about um, you are going to have to have a logitech g uh, g29 or whatever you have for one of the other logitech systems um, so they're not really expensive but you do have to have uh, the existing parts already so i think that's why they consider this to be a mod and not like a standalone wheel like like we typically um typically review and talk about right brian i think the biggest problem too is they're making they're calling it a mod because it's the the there is no options for the logitech rims there's the you know whatever rims on it is what's it come with and you like you said it's if you want to do anything drastic to it it's a lot of circuitry and and doing a whole bunch of things to it where this is you know it's a quick modification of an existing platform to change the the aesthetic look of it um, with using some of the you know existing buttons. Exactly. So it have like about a dozen different mods for the Logitech G29 and G920. And if you'll notice, like all the buttons are exactly the same place. It's because you're using the existing buttons that are on the Logitech wheel. You're just taking the circular rim off and replacing it with this Formula Wasp style wheel, which is still pretty cool. I mean, it's hard, you know, if you have a Logitech G G 29 or g923 and you want a formula wheel that's really the only way to do something like that yeah it's just un unbolt the the round rim bolt on this one you know it's like a thin metal or a thin carbon fiber you know and and it bolts right on you know and off you go pretty neat idea this another one greg is a neat idea the ir sidekick now feel free to kind of help me with this one mike because you you use ai a bunch and brian i don't know you use ai too don't you no maybe not um so this guy uh it was at martin lanza is, is is building a program to assist in the editing of ai rosters um so he basically you know is it is he's trying to streamline setting up a roster for the ai is it difficult to do that, Mike? I, I don't. I don't have much. I haven't tried. I'm sure it is, but this is a, a drag and drop interface that he's made for it for just that. Which it's still working on. Obviously, it's a beta type thing, right? 
I haven't tried it. Um, I always use, I'm lazy. So I use other people's rosters, but there's some good people in the forums who make rosters of anything that we have in AI. So yeah, we I'm sure that. this is one of those guys. We, 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 we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There was a one that built all the roster sets for different seasons and different tracks, right? Yep. And I think that's what this is really made for, for somebody who the seasons and all the tracks and the rosters to be able to add them to your AI a little easier. Which makes sense. I mean, like I said, I, I don't have very much time in the AI. I, I quickly... If I need to do something, I quickly do one just to test something out, but I don't use it very often. I thought I was going to use it more often, but I think just maybe because it's so slow bringing out some of the the cars and track types would, at the beginning, I kind of just never got turned on to it. Uh, the main reason for the program is to easily apply paints um, and also define driver attribute presets can easily be applied via drag and drop. Pretty neat really cool if you're in, if you like doing ai seasons and stuff like that this would really be a helpful tool let's talk graphics cards hacker group lapsus has leaked the credentials of more than seventy-one thousand nvidia employees after the company did not uh, acquiesce to its demands the group stole the corporate data during a recent ransomware attack and threatened to release it if nvidia didn't remove its cryptocurrency mining limiter from its RTX 30 series video cards. NVIDIA refused to do so, and the group has since issued another demand and claims it will release even more data if NVIDIA doesn't comply, including like all their trade secrets of how these cards actually work. If they knew the secrets, couldn't they just disable the LHR? Good point. <laughs> you would think so. I like to see a company not bear down to these bad guys you know they said no we're not going to pay you but i mean how much damage are they going to do yeah really um and I'm, I'm getting way above my head here but these cards are real important for crypto mining isn't that correct yeah so um you know by releasing the limiter removing the cryptocurrency mining limiter, you could be really messing up with some big markets, you know, in crypto. And that could cause a serious ripple effect throughout the whole cryptocurrency uh, world, really. I think the point of the LHR is to limit the demand on the cards from miners so they get more in the hands of gamers. Right, but but like Brian's saying, is if they remove that feature, then then they start using the cards again, right? right? Now, it also says here on Tuesday, Lapsus amended its demands and said, NVIDIA has until Friday, March 4th to make all current and future GPU drivers open source. And if they don't comply, we threaten to release information regarding the silicon chip files and what is referred to as the closely guarded trade secrets for graphics and computer chipsets in the public Telegram message group. All they are is bullies. Yeah, they're, they're hostage takers, really. All right, let's keep rocking. Uh, Brian, we got a new wheelbase. Yeah, this is actually the Gran Turismo DD Pro base from Fanatec. So when Fanatec uh, Gran Turismo was originally revealed back in November 2021, it was like part of a bundle that included a GT-themed wheel instead of CSL pedals but now the wheelbase is available separately so that's what they're uh, advertising here so entitled the Gran Turismo DD 
pro wheelbase. It allows those who may already have your own Fanatec pedals or wheel to purchase the standalone base, which is cool. So, for example, if you know I have a Fanatec uh, DD2 um, base, and uh, if I wanted to use that on a Gran Turismo with with uh, with this uh, base, I could just take one of the wheels I have and switch it over to it. I don't have to worry about buying the whole bundle. How is this different than the CSL DD? It's uh, I don't think the CSL DD works for the PS5. I think it's a different. They all have different coating um, or something. What yeah. do you call it? The different. It's something that Xbox and PlayStation do all every time they bring out a new system. They make wheel companies and, and and any peripheral companies recreate their stuff so that they have. It's kind of like the iPhone and their charger. Yeah, it looks like a CSL DD almost. I mean, it looks like a, a new ver newer version of the CSL DD, honestly. Yeah, and I would, would, would bet against it being almost the same exact specs as far as the, the new meters and all that stuff. I think it's probably basically the same motor. It's just designed for those systems like Greg was saying because they have all that proprietary stuff that keeps you from being able to swap hardware from one, one console to the next. See, when I bought my Fanatec CSL setup back in, I think it was three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, I was looking for a system that I could run on my PC, my Xbox, and my um, PlayStation 4. And there was this was the only system that, or Fanatec had the only system that was easily able to, if you bought it in a certain package, you could get it to work for all three. Whereas if you bought through Logitech, you're buying both wheelbases, um, and then it would obviously come with both pedals. You're you're doubling everything up instead of having just one thing. This is but this is the problem with PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. PC doesn't matter because they're always compatible with the PC. It's just Xbox and PlayStation don't play well together. What a good price, man! The prices are pretty low on these entry level DDs. Did you ever think years ago that you would see a DD this low this quick? I mean, when the DD1 was first announced and David bought one of the first ones, that was a historical low price at that time uh, at $1,000 or whatever it was. And then you only had to wait on it for five months, right? Good there Lord he is. is alive. Well, he's just in time for results. Let's go to talk NASCAR iRacing Series Vegas. I ran and got P4. After getting wrecked out early with three minutes damage, I got a top five. Man, I can't believe I stopped the bleeding finally. Um, what a run. I mean, I've been crashed out of every race this season, basically. And to get a top five finally, oh, it's just relief more than anything. But it, it was great to run well. I, I ran well, um, and it was fun. Brian, let's talk yours. P2. Is that what it says? No, it says two laps and 10 minutes of damage. Yeah, sorry. I wish it was a P2. What it was, this was two laps into the race. I got 10 minutes of required damage, enough said. So uh, my, my race was quite short. Okay, and um, here we go. Tony Rochette, P1. 
The chubby burb flew into the strip, walked into the Mandalay Bay, watched the Michael Jackson tribute show, then went to the roulette table, put everything on number one because that was the number of the day, got the pole, led 45 laps, was about to have a dominant day, but a late restart almost ended that, but car was fast as hell, so no issues, even grazing the wall with three to go. Nice win. I got torped. Torpedoed? Yeah. I've been wrecked out of almost every race, too. Uh, I did at least have a decent finish in one of the Vegas races with damage. Uh, but this one, just uh, just uh, nowhere to go. They did just one of those where they come up, you know. You, you saw it on the uh, on the video because I put together another compilation video two weeks in a row of just getting hit every race. You're just like minding your own business, keeping in your lane, and they just come out of nowhere and clip you, right? Yeah, just uh, it's just wrecks, you know, four or five cars in front of me. Um, and these cars, they don't they don't stop so easy uh, if they're when they're going 180 miles an hour, right? So up they come, and right, I'm literally a bullseye. Okay, Tony Groves, P something under 20. Yeah, um, uh, like I wrote down here, low split hell, and it's just it is what it is. Uh, everybody's spinning out. I think it was like Brian was within you know the first 10 laps and. Um, my, my car was trashed and I was like 15 laps down for the majority of the race but um, this was uh, Lisa's first NIS start and what was really cool is we were in the same split and we were um, like uh, two numbers away from each other so we basically started back to back which was um, which was really cool except that when I got taken out she got taken out um and she got the worst of it so i was yeah i was able to you know stay in the top 20 and i think she was like 25th or 26th or um something like that it was you know it, it, it was a terrible race uh but just being able to to do that with her um that that was good we stuck around for the for the whole race because she needs the um she needs a safety rating so um yeah it it ended up being good. I think I lost like one eye rating, so I'm kind of glad I stuck around too. Well, and she got a taste of what it's like to be in team speak for NIS race to hear what other people are doing and what, how our races go. And what did she think about all that? Well, she is, you know, kind of used to that, you know, running with the ladies of iRacing. racing. Um, she's used to having a lot of chatter and, uh, but she, she liked the whole experience and, um, you know, kind of listen to everybody and how they're getting getting through their races and stuff. She's not used to the, uh, this long of racing, um, and <laughs> she's gonna get a real good experience this Friday when we when we make an attempt at Phoenix, and uh, eh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, Coda coming up. She bought that track, which is gonna force me to buy that track. And uh, I don't think she's done any road racing with these cars. So um, we, we got a whole lot of fun coming up in the next bunch of weeks here. Yeah, it was fun racing with her. Um, that'll be fun as we go forward. Greg, you had the best result, P3, besides Tony. I was just going to say, are we just going to forget about Tony? No. Um, yeah, P3, I was not, I, I was definitely probably the furthest I was going to finish up. The other two cars in that field were the fastest too. And I just couldn't, I couldn't catch them, but uh, it was a good race. I don't remember why we had a late 
or we're so close at the end, but uh, it's kind of kind of a blurry week. But I had a whole bunch of good finishes in in a five week or five race span. Adam Jocelyn P seven in top split. He was very happy with that. Sunday Open, David torpedoed again. Yeah, this one was extra upsetting. Uh, top split, and here at the end, I'm I'm about to pass for P five, and the P five guy bounces off the wall and knocks me out um, with five laps to go. It gets I, I actually get a meatball from it, and it, you know it's just I, I cannot buy a break right now. All right, and my luck continued on Sunday. Fixed. I got wrecked out. I actually missed the first caution to only get wrecked under caution by a guy who shifted into the wrong gear and spun out and spun into me. It was 90 seconds damage. I got that fixed just shy halfway. I got caught up in the big one, blown engine. Uh, there were several folks that ARCA braked into me after I had even stopped. I mean, I was like, blown engine, stop, just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there, and then they plop, pop, pile in again. It's like, come on. Tyler Williamson ran with me. Uh, he tweeted about his race. Horrible race in NIS fixed at Las Vegas. This next gen was so dang loose. I couldn't do anything. Sorry to those who got caught up in my mess. Hey, uh, Mike, I was actually spot for Tyler at the end of his race. It was really interesting how it played out because he was he was in P2 with like about 20 laps to go and he was he had enough fuel just barely to get the end. If it stayed green, he probably would have won that race. But a, but a caution came out, um, and uh, because he didn't really need hardly any fuel, he got new tires, and then he got uh, you know just a splash of fuel just to make sure he was good on fuel. But you know he came back out racing with these guys, and you know he had those cold tires, and then he didn't have any weight, I guess, from the fuel because he was so, you know, he didn't really hardly need any, and he was just so loose because of the, the I guess because of the cold tires and the, and the, and the lightness of the car, uh, he just couldn't, couldn't control it. It was, it, was, it was sad to watch him trying to control this thing. It was, that, it was crazy. Probably nerves. It's like, I can win this thing. And, yep. Speaking of trying to win, let's talk Phoenix, Wednesday Open, David, P15. Yeah, you want to guess what happened? Torpedo. No, I got dumped at the end. I was running well again. Probably, I ended up getting most of it back, uh, but on one of the late restarts, a guy just, uh, he said he didn't warm his brakes up enough, and so he just couldn't get the car stopped, and he ran me over. He did apologize, so, you know, you you can't stay mad at somebody. And I I said, yeah, I, I... I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at my luck, which is just the way it's been. Um, went all the way to the back, but it wasn't a whole lot of damage. And I was still, you know, Phoenix, I guess it's not going to affect you too bad anyway, especially if it's rear end damage. Uh, so I did race back up from, there were still a lot of cars left to race back up from about 28th to 15th in a few laps. That's all I could get out of it. All right. P11, but that's not the story of my race. I actually started P19. I quickly worked my way to the top five and ended up leading some laps, actually. Uh, Pit with like 35 to go and stayed out when others had pitted after that. Um, I was leading on the final restart, uh, but the new tires got me at the end. Down the backstretch on the white, I went to block because that was my only hope of winning. And uh, he was already there and, and he hooked me and I got turned. 
and ended up, you know, last car in the lead lap. Um, I, oh man, I was beating myself up last night over this. Like, what would I have done differently? Could I, should I have not blocked and finished second and just taken home P2? Yeah. But after my luck of this year, we're being wrecked out of literally every race but one. I was like, I'm so close to the win. I can't not go for the win. I got to go for the win no matter what, because I'm not going to be in this position again for a while. It was the way I was thinking. And, and uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe he'll back off if I, you know, push him down. And of course he didn't. And I don't blame him at all, um, at all, you know, but I'm still happy that, you know, I was in position to win and, uh, and running well. Tom Dryling was in my uh, split as well. He actually loaded the fixed set by mistake or forgot to load the right set or whatever it was. Uh, interestingly, he ran fairly well and uh, finished ahead of me. Uh, Steven Llewellyn ran. He got wrecked out. Who else ran? I think that was it. Then I ran today, Thursday open, uh, looking for redemption. Um, I wrecked out basically running fifth. Um, it was the same guy uh, that dumped me earlier in the race. Um, he, he, bumped, he bumped me early in the race and I had a minute and a half damage. And then he was involved in some other incidents. And then he, he finally uh, got me uh, with the net code that we talked about earlier. Um, he, you know, he kind of arced it up in there, but we were still 15 inches away. But um, anyway, I damaged and yeah let's talk fast track greg p9 yeah that was uh fast car had an opportunity with i don't know was it the last 10 laps there that that wreck happened at the end i can't remember um got involved trying to get out of the way of something that was going on in front of me and uh spun off the front of another guy's car i I originally apologized because I thought it was my bad. Then I realized I made the right choice. And yeah, so it is what it is. I'll take a P9 after all that because there was a lot of wrecking at the end there and I made some passes. All right, David, you were wrecked. I was wrecked. I was the wreck. Um, we were in one of those late runs and uh, I, got, I had a bad restart at the very end after if, it, if that caution had not come out, I was actually fighting for the win, but that, that caution put me on the outside on the restart, and I just had a terrible restart, and I thought when the car that was to my left got past me that he was the last car, and I was wrong, and um, I turned into another car. Damn. Yeah, I didn't, didn't even write down my result. I got wrecked early and was out. Uh, Sim 500 Esports, 87 cars, Pocono, I parked it from boredom at Pocono because there were only nine cars and I was like almost last. So I parked it. Greg, P2. Yeah, could have been a win. Um, the guy, I don't blame him because what did we have? 10 cars total, 11 cars probably that showed up for that race. Um, but a, lot, a guy went down pit road and had to pit for tires and he came out with the three of us that were battling and decided that he, with new tires, would get in, with like 10 to go, would get involved with us racing, the three of us. And it kind of was annoying, but I'm not gonna blame him. He wanted to stay in the server and still race, but uh, he ended up being, he ended up getting in front of me and 
getting loose in the middle of the corner and I spun him out and I ended up losing probably three seconds and I had to get it down. I got it down to within half a second coming off of turn uh, turn three or four, whatever you call it there. And I just, I needed one more lap. We need more people, man. We need more people in that. That'll be a good series if we had enough. If you can get 30 cars, it would be a really good series. All right, let's keep moving. OBRL Arca, Brian, P18. Yeah, this is at Talladega. Um, and um, I didn't qualify. It's like a 10 minute qualifying period. I was starting, I was playing with my graphic settings and it crashed my uh, game. So I had to restart. And by the time I got back in, I missed a grid. So I had to start in the pits uh, at Talladega. And, you know, within like a dozen laps, I was caught by the field. So I was a lap down. I was racing in the front pack. We had a green flag uh, pit stops. And uh, I went in with the leaders and got my got a, a really good pit stop and stayed with the front group a lap down and then we started catching some other cars and they were added to our group and you know i found myself in a race within a race trying to be this lucky dog for for the yellow when it came out you know we were battling for lap after lap and you know i, I was mixing up with the with the leaders just to stay in the lucky dog position i hated to do it but you know i had I, need to get that lucky dog and it finally did come out with eight laps to go so and i and i was able to get the lucky dog so um got my lap back back on the lead lap with eight laps to go and um you know because there was probably still about 10 12 cars laps down i and being lucky dog i had to start behind those on that last restart and i was able to get up to p18 so it wasn't too bad considering i started in the pits and, and i was lapped down almost the entire race Okay, OBRL Aftermath Truck Series Phoenix. It was Tom Ogle, Brian Glass second, Eddie Jones third. And then we have a podium here, OBRL Cup Series, Brian P3. Yeah, so uh, that was uh, Sunday morning at Vegas. Um, I started in the back of the field. Um, I got a little bit of front end damage early um, where some cars spun out and I checked up as could go around them and I wound up tapping them in the front. Got like 20 seconds of damage, nothing major. Um, got back on the track and uh, didn't, the car wasn't affected, was able to work on my way up into the top six or so. And, um, and then there was another crash late in the race, probably with about 10 to 15 laps to go. Um, and again, I got just a tiny bit of front end damage, so I had to go in and pit. Everybody else stayed out because there was only like 10 laps to go. So um, I went in, got like 20 seconds of damage fixed, um, and then uh, got new tires. And then when I came back out, I was the last car on the lead lap in like P15, I think it was. But with the new tires, I was able to just blast through the field. And I was running, I was running everybody down uh, and was able to get the P3. Uh, with that, with, if that lap race was probably two laps longer, I, I would have taken, I think I would have gotten past uh, the leader in second place who were, again, were on old tires. I was on, I was on fresh tires. So uh, it was pretty cool. They uh, had the after race uh, um, broadcast interview, which was neat to be on the interview. Um, and uh, you know what though, uh, after the race, uh, Steve Thompson, the uh, admin for OBRL, he said, uh, guys, we're wrecking way too much. Um, and the incident point is going from nine for DQ to five next week. So Ooh. from here on out, there's going to be a five incident point limit. So if if that was the case, I would have been DQ'd. I would 
three because I was at eight eight X at the end of that race with just running into people. So it's going to be real interesting, you know. We're coming up on Phoenix, which is a track with a you know hard braking zone in it. So and a new car, it's going to be interesting. I'm probably just going to hang in the back and and see what works out. Just try to save from getting incident points. Now, this is the first time I've seen this picture blown up because I, I saw it on our phones when someone shared it. Do you really drive the Duff car? The Duff beer car? Yes, I do. It's that got awesome. racers lounge on it and everything, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was one of my sponsorship picks. <laughs> That's like awesome. Oh, from The Simpsons, Duff beer. Exactly. So uh, yeah, there's other couple beer cars in there. There's a Miller Lake car, Coors Light, Budweiser, and I have the Duff beer car. So um, I don't know. One of my one of my things is you know this is kind of like make make believe racing. So I use make believe sponsors to kind of match up. I don't know. Okay, and then the Get Her Done GT3 Series, Greg, a win, P1. <laughs> yeah, I, I snuck that out by the uh, slimmest of margins. Um, they did something different last week where they made the race an hour and 10 minutes instead of just an hour. So it was almost moved it. They moved it to two pit stops. But I, being a new member of this, I got the penalty and had to start in the back. And after the, on the pace laps, I was like, well, let's see what happens if I save fuel. So I was shutting the car off and coasting around the full track with, without uh, running it. I could do a couple quick jolts and was able to keep with the field. Um, but then when we went green. I lost about 19 seconds on the first lap, just trying to avoid stuff. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to make up 19 seconds. So I went into fuel saving mode. And I saved and only pitted once while everybody else pitted twice. And I came out, or when I, like, the guy that was dominating and leading the whole race came out of the pits, he was two seconds behind me with two laps to go. And uh, I held him off and I ran out coming across the line of fuel. You barely saved enough. Well, I mean, if you look at it, I saved a lot because they had to pit and probably add like four or five gallons, maybe four gallons. Okay, let's jump to final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Uh, yeah, just uh, wanna, if you, if you remember last week, after last weekend's racing, you know, I was a little dejected because of, you know, getting caught up in wrecks and having terrible finishes. And, you know, this week, I, I squeak out a podium and, you know, like automatically just changed the way I feel about it all, you know, all one shot. So it just goes to show you everybody, you know, things might seem pretty dead, but all it takes is one race to turn things around to get that feeling again. Like, you know, you can't wait to get back on the track. So I know a lot of people with these cars are dealing with, uh, with a lot of incident race races and stuff like that, but just hang in there. You know, it, it'll get fun again. Once you, once you start getting better results. That's right. It ebbs and flows and, Got to stay with it. David Hall, final thought. Yeah, I'm irritated with the streak, but I, it has to work out somewhere. There's nothing I can really change. I, I can't sit and ride complete in the back. I just have to take what the car gives me. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's mid-pack because I don't qualify as well as I race, at the, especially at the end of a race. Um, I did go on last week on Into the Apex and had a blast with those guys talking for about an hour. Check out that uh, broadcast broadcast um wherever you get podcasts and at some point we'll be having tyler over on this show it'll uh, be a little bit interesting getting the timing to work out because he's in the police academy right now so he he's uh 
at a in a barracks on Thursdays. So we'll be arranging a different time for him. But I look forward to getting to visit with him again and, and bring him on our show. Yeah, we we heard that podcast. Great show, David. Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, I have to step away. I got to uh, start a race in about three minutes here uh, for the Get Her Done series. So uh, I got to qualify. So I'm out. Uh, look forward to racing this week. All right. Good luck in the race. Go get him. Tony Groves, final thought. Oh, I am. I am loving this car. Um, last year, NIS, I think I skipped pretty much the whole season. And this year, I am excited again. This is so cool. I'm not doing so hot, but that's all right. I'm having a hell of a lot of fun sucking. So, um, yeah, bring it on. Oh, it's fun to drive. It's hard to drive. The fun is hard. Will Gibson, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, final thoughts? Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate you sending me the invite and enjoy being on, especially with the new build. Um, I, I didn't put it in the script, but I did finish P15 in my Lionheart Retro Series debut. Uh, qualified 20th, kept the car clean, zero incidents, and finished on the lead lap. Uh, Could have ran better, but I kind of messed up the tire strategy. Still learning. Um I got the Monday night race with those guys with my dad in the Speedway series, which uses the DW12. So um, I'm really looking forward to that Monday coming up, and I'm going to try to put in a bunch of work on some setups for the tour mod we talked about a few weeks ago and get those on the forum. So just looking forward to this weekend. All right. Yeah, thanks for coming. My final thoughts. Wow, I got that feeling that Brian talked about last night. I was in position to win. And when I got dumped on that final lap, I was shaking like a leaf. I mean, I stood up, my hand was just going like this. Just, I mean, I was shaking. My heart was elevated. I, I, had, I wasn't breathing well. I mean, but it was a, a good feeling. It wasn't a bad thing. It was like, wow, I was just about ready to win an NIS race. You know, that's a non-restrictor plate, which is rare for me. And... Um, you know, to be in that spot, to, to run so well, to always be able to drive to the front at a, at a place like Phoenix, you know, where there's so much off-throttle time, man, I'm just so proud. I'm proud of this team, proud of all of our guys and everyone who's winning. I mean, we're winning every week, one of our guys is, and, uh, and uh, I just want to be one of those guys that win. So, man, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, I feel like I can I can do it, you know. I feel the confidence is rolling again. So with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.